Uh, are we at the point, Julio, where we just don't get excited about no hitters anymore? It no. This feels like it's it's more intense than even 2018. It feels like there's no hitter every day. So every other day. 2020 was the year of Zoom fatigue. This is 2021 is the year of no hitter fatigue. Zoom fatigue. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty fatigued over. Yeah, here. I was, was going to say. Friends in person now. What do you mean? We love being on Zoom. We, we love working on Zoom and other video platforms all day for our other jobs. Video platforms. Yeah, yeah. FaceTime, all all those things. Yeah, so, yeah, Sound it's the best. Podcast. So, um, this week, I mean, uh, there's no dancing around it. This week is going to be heavily involved with the stadium conversation. I know all of you guys have, like, hit us up and asking our opinion. I've got, like, eight text messages that day from people just asking me my opinion. So, uh, majority of this podcast is going to be about the stadium talk. But, first, there was some news around the league. Uh, Otani played some outfield um, after pitching. Uh, Corbin Burns had a very historic streak end, but first the no hitter. Wade Miley, another no hitter this season. Congratulations to Wade Miley. Um, literally, it's at a point, Julio, where like no hitters are such a small like news piece that like I, I listen to like I listen to sports podcasts and sports radio like all day, and I think like I was listening to the day after it happened. I was listening to, uh, or at least the because it happened on a weekend, so the Monday, uh, a sports Monday on radio. I was listening to um, uh, uh, Mike Golick Jr. and Shania Bunike, and they didn't even they didn't even talk about it. They were too busy talking about the NFL schedule dropping. Well, also that's totally an ESPN thing to do, right? Sure. Um, sure. So honestly, we talked about this before. That's hand. Yeah. Congrats, Wade Miley, career journeyman. Got a no hitter. He'll never forget it. Uh, yep. I, we're tired of talking about it. I don't know what else we can say. But the one thing I did want to look up real quick. I mean, I wish I'd watched it so I can talk about it more, but I didn't watch it. So I I, I would, I feel like I'd be doing all of you a disservice, the listeners, by trying to act like I, I knew what I was talking about. So we had, let's, we lost, we've lost count now. We have Wade Miley, Joe Musgrove. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's not forget Sean Mania was, was five outs away from it as well. Yeah. Um, Carlos well, Rendon, one, so it doesn't matter. and then, God, this is hard. This is like naming, this is like naming off all the Backstreet Boys at this point. Can you name all the Backstreet who, Boys? Who was, no, there was a, I mean, there was a complete, there was a, there was a, actually, I, yeah, I actually probably could. Kevin, Nick, Brian, AJ, Howie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You still got it. it. You still got it, folks. <laughs> yeah, I think we're what five no hitters. There was no like Four. big like there was no big names that got one. Was was there? I'm just I'm trying to think. I can't. Uh, did Shane Bieber get one? No. This is how like this is how insane the season is. Like I can't even remember like if any big names got one. Well, you know, Matt Bum. You're not going to okay, count he it. Seven, he got a seven inning one. I'm not counting that one. I'm sorry. I just yeah, can't but um, we're yeah. Uh, for the record, the record, the record number of no hitters thrown in a season, I just had in front of me is twelve, and that was back in hmm. 1884. And right now, I believe we're at four. What was 2018 though? What was 2018? That felt like it was around twelve. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm just exhausted from this, man. 
Yeah. It's fun. It, it's. I, I feel like if this if Sean the Naya was the person that ended up throwing it on Friday, we'd be all hyped up and and jacked and be like, oh, this is the second no eighty he's throwing. And but then he got yeah. like is like blown up in Boston today, so that's mm-hmm. a whole different story. I don't uh, have anything oh, else to I add, apologize to, be to listeners <laughs> for not having the traditional opening, but you know, it's just there's a lot that we need to get to with the A's. Um in not just the stadium, but like just how they're playing lately. So we just kinda wanna get on with it um so Shohei Otani that this was really cool so I know Joe Madden had been talking about it for a little bit at least he'd been hinting at it but he didn't actually like do it saying that he is interested in him you know even when he's pitching um hitting but he never said anything about playing the outfield I think this was only a second appearance ever in the outfield um so he plays a game strikes out 10 um and then once they take him out the game he checks into right field um and he played two innings in right field something like that um yeah that was pretty cool to see um i feel like that was a lot bigger story that didn't get much much notice either i think just because it's baseball but that's a that's a pretty big milestone right there yeah the stat line for the day he went seven innings four hits one and run um one walk 10 strikeouts so on the seat on the season he's has pitched five games uh he's he's i see a number of innings pitched out of that in front of me uh, but he struck out 40 his control is a little wonky still he's given up 20 walks or he's, he's pitched 25 innings and he's pitched 25 innings and he's hit struck out 40 um Jesus. and his his era is 2.1 and on top mm-hmm. of that uh we i'll go ahead and bring up his hitting stats but i can tell you as somebody who has them in fantasy uh, he's hitting the crap out of the ball this season. So yeah, but yeah, hey, yeah. guess what? The Angels are still in the bottom of the AL West, but because they only have two guys, that's why. And they're pitching, and they're pitching. I mean, we can, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure John would argue with us all day, but you know, he's an Angels fan, so he might be a little bit delusional. Yeah. Um, so he's hitting two fifty six in yeah. the season, but he's got uh, ten home runs, twenty six RBIs. He already has more home runs this year than he had all of last year. In a 60-game season, yeah. Yeah, and he's got six deals on top of that. He had seven last year. Uh, dude, yeah. he's, he's been – he's he's must-watch TV. He's really like I, you're going to drop whatever you do when he's out there. Yeah, I've seen the move of like a pitcher going out um, and playing outfield um, after they pitch like five or six innings, but that was in high school. Like, you know, yeah. like when you're your kid and you can handle it. Like, uh, like our star pitcher, my uh, – you know, my – my class was this guy named Austin Wiggins and he threw like 91. He would go out and he'd pitch like five or six like shutout innings. And then, um, he would go play right field, um, for the last like two innings. Uh, and he would even say that, I, I, I think I remember asking him, he, his arm was like jello sometimes. Um, like after that and just like, but he just had so much power behind that arm. I can't even imagine what Shohei did. He probably like brushed it off, like whatever, but I guarantee his arm just felt like jello after pitching, seven innings um but yeah i mean that's pretty fucking cool i want to see what is like a behind the scenes of like how his regimen is because yeah you know his first few years he was rookie of the year back in 2018 but he's been kind of injury plagued on and off throughout this time like what he pitched a couple games last year i want to mm-hmm. see what he what he's done to kind of change that i mean he's still pretty young he's gonna be oh, oh my god dude we have the same birthday that's so tight. You should tweet at him. Hey, Shohei, we have the same birthday. Ah, oh, man, that's so cool. I love this guy even more. Yeah, uh, he's only twenty. He's gonna be twenty-seven. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's it, he's been sensational this season. It's in the prime of his career. Yeah, it's just a bummer. The Angels don't suck, uh, and obviously, you know, Rendon's been hurt majority of the season still. Um, and then the bullpen, after looking somewhat decent, is kind yeah. of falling back to their own their old ways. Uh, but who? And then, of course, the whole Albert situation. But uh, I think if this guy can complete, can, if he continue this pace, even if they aren't in major contention, he's going to be, if not the MVP, top three in the American League right now. It's so there was a lot of discussion about this when he first came to the league, and it was like, if he wins, like let's say he wins like fourteen games, he has like an ERA of like low threes strikes out a hundred plus. Um, and then also hits like two sixty with like twenty one home runs and like sixty RBIs. Like I think that gets him the MVP regardless of how well the Angels play, just because he's doing it on both sides of the ball. I, I don't know. But you could you should make the argument, in theory you should make the argument if he's doing it on both sides of the ball, he should be affecting the game on both sides of the ball. So he should be affecting his team's overall outcome more you know what i mean it's it he does pitch every fifth day but you know there it's just there's a lot of levels to it that i wasn't fully ready to commit to an opinion on it but i, I remember listening to the, like the ringer um mlb show and like they were talking about that bill simmons was saying that and i was just like i don't know man because like it's really even though baseball is such an individual sport it's really hard to vote for an mvp who isn't on a winning team like it's because then it's just like how how much is their value and maybe that's over thinking the maybe that's too overthinking and making too literal the the award the like the name of the award using those words too literally i'm a big advocate of not using those words too literally like especially like with football it's like no it's the best player like that's just what we call it um but it's hard for baseball not to think of that because baseball is all about value and how you value certain guys to help you win games in certain ways yeah because what this century we've had what maybe I know A Rod in like I think two thousand two or two thousand three with the Rangers when they were pretty terrible. He won MVP, but he also hit like fifty five plus home runs, something like that, all juiced up. Two thousand two was Miguel Tejada, and the reason why Tejada A Rod A Rod didn't win it was because A Rod was on a last place Rangers team, and he hit like fifty, like you said, fifty home runs, and like hit like three hundred. But it was just like Miguel Tejada was on the best team in the American League. And he had, you know, doing on both sides of the ball, 30 home runs, hitting 290, whatever. Yeah, but then, and then I know Trout, there was probably at least one or two years when he won where the Angels weren't good. And then yeah. I think the other one I could think of the top of my head was Giancarlo Stan when he hit like 59 home runs in yeah. what, 2017, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it, you yeah. got it. So, that's the thing. That's the point. Yeah, I kind of want to the record. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of the point I want to circle back with. You got to do something on a completely absurd level for it to even be considered. Think about with basketball too. What Russ winning it in 2017 because he averaged a triple double for the season. He's done it multiple mm -hmm. times since then, but it's like we haven't seen that in years. So with Otani, if he does what you say is kind of like the parameters, where he's you know wins 14 games, he hits 25 plus bombs. Hell yeah, give that to him. We've never seen that before, and the odds are we're probably not going to see that again. So it's like you got to celebrate it where you can, man. Yeah, you got to celebrate that season in some way in Cooperstown, like so that they know, like, yo, this motherfucker won this shit by doing on both sides of the ball. Like, give him this award, and like, especially in the American League, it's every year. It's like you have to do 
you have to be on a have a good stats on a good team in order to beat Trout because Trout's that good. So yeah. it's like it's like you know it, it's the race against Trout. Like like Josh Donaldson, I I would say the only year besides last year, the only because Trout was hurt, the only year that like Trout truly deserved to not win MVP was the year that Donaldson won with the Blue Jays. Like Donaldson just had a better season and he was on a better team, but he just had a better season overall. Like and that's it. That's just how good Trout is. So but. I don't know. I guess I'm arguing against myself. But, but then, and there is also the year where like Miguel Cabrera hit the triple crown. So it's like, yeah, you have to give it to him because. Yeah, actually, you know what? Too, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I'm all for, you know, give this guy, give the attention while he can. We don't know yeah. how, how, um, how the longevity is going to be with it, but do it while you can. Uh, cool. Um, <laughs> last beat, blah, 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 blah. bit, beat. That doesn't make sense. Bit of news. Um. Corbin Burns, he had a streak of no walks that ends at 58. 58 batters or 58 innings? can't remember. 58 straight – or 58 strikeouts in a row without walking. Got it. To start this season. Got yeah, it, so it. it's a major league record. Um, he's – Okay. The big reason why we're even bringing this up is because Corbin Burns having a hell of a fucking season, and no one's talking about it. Like this guy is just—he's insane. Yeah, he's been—he's been lights out. He's been out the last ten days. He unfortunately got COVID. Today was his first game back against the um, Cardinals, and he only went five innings, but he finally gave up that first walk, which that was bound to happen. We knew that was going to happen, yeah. but um, man, Milwaukee—it's—it's it's a bummer what's happening with them right now because it's like. He was out for a little bit. Well, guess what? While he was out, Brandon Woodruff decided to become like the best pitcher in the National League. Just kidding. Woodruff moment. was who I. I they've, no, they've both been lights out, and we've. Yeah, yeah. We're, I dude, forgot that that he yeah. had he had COVID. Woodruff has been killing it too. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. but we're like we're both huge guys on the Brewers are now, but it's what's happening out. They're hurt. You know, Christian Yelich is on the DL or the IL. Um, uh, I believe Lorenzo Cain just came back from the IL. Like they're beat up yeah. right now. Um, but like the talents there, yeah, we were both really high on them in our, in our, our, uh, central division yeah. pr- uh, preview. And, uh, it, you know, the, the Cardinals are in that winning that division, which is like, we'll see how sustainable it is with the rest of that rotation outside of, you know, Adam Wainwright's so streaky right now at his age up being 41. And then we know what you're going to get at Jack Flaherty. You say that so lightheartedly, like they're like the fourth best team in the NL. They're, they're the best they have. They're in first place in the, in all of the the league though yeah no I, the NL. no I, I, hell yeah like give them their the credit where credit's due i'm just saying like i don't know how stay sustainable it's going to be where i still think the rest of that rotation once you get back to like three four five is a little suspect i know once you get past flaherty and um and wainwright because yeah, even though wainwright. with wainwright you know what you're gonna get whereas it's like yeah. dude you got a three-game series and you got corbin and woodruff back to back they're not probably not going to win that series, or you're going to win it, but it's going to be like two one, or you need your yeah. your pitcher throwing eights, like a yeah, a great game. But um, yeah, we got to celebrate this, man. There's a lot of really cool stuff happening in baseball this season, and it, this is definitely something that should be highlighted more than it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to do it yeah. for the big three. But yeah. all right, so before we go, we also yeah. have some more fun big news going on. Oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about that at the top. My bad. Yeah, we're sure we're going to see this, but um, so we got some exciting news. We have found a collaborator that will be kind of expanding the uh, network 
of the show, more or less. They're going to be posting our stuff on Instagram as well as on Twitter. They're called Around the Diamond. They are a social media uh, base, like social media channel that covers baseball. Our good friend John over at the Super Halo Bros, they're actually a part of that network as well. So we're going to be joining over there and kind of build up the network. We're super excited for the opportunity, and we're going to excited to see what this, uh, what the rest of the season looks like with those guys. Yeah, it's a fun little partnership, um, and I think it'll definitely we we can help each other out. Uh, we can help with with their content, and they can help with us. So we're very excited about it. We you know we hope that you guys will enjoy their stuff and um, let us know what you think. And um, I mean, like we've been saying for since the beginning, you know, we'd like to you know do this as a side hustle to get paid one day. So this is a one step to hopefully lead for that, lead to that, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's it's it, they're gonna provide us with insight from other like teams. Like when we're matching up against like the Mariners, for example, they're gonna give us some insight on the Mariners and shit like that. And it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great exposure for us, and it should be uh, it should be uh, we're very excited about. It. Yeah, it's, yep. it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. So uh, on that note, uh, I think we'll t- we're gonna take a break here because we're gonna get in. A's news is gonna take over the entire second half um not second half actually like more like two-thirds of the podcast um so stick around and uh we'll be right back we'll talk about the stadium issue and then we'll talk we'll talk about the the talk about the recent matchups and some news and then we'll talk about the stadium issue it's going to get spicy so stay tuned it is it is all right welcome back to the Town Tailgate podcast, uh, powered by Around the Diamond. That's that's fun to say. Powered I mean, by the a, Diamond, Around the and Diamond. Sponsored by um, State Farm, Chris Chris Martinez, State Farm of Walnut Creek. If you need insurance, go to Chris. Like a good neighbor, Chris Martinez is there. Chris, you owe us money. Okay, this is the third time we've promoted your your insurance agency. Just kidding. Um, all right. So one big story that I really wanted to talk about, James Caprillion gets bra- got gets a. Uh, did I saying his last name? No, but you're like one something I want to talk. About. I'm like, no, I want to talk about this too. What the hell? I mean, I okay, Julio. Let's be honest. I had to fight to get this in the rundown a little bit here. Yeah, but uh, it, okay, yeah, go on, go on, whatever. <laughs> All right, so James Caprillion. Uh, gets brought up to um, I was like what I'm not saying his name wrong this is what fucking Glenn was saying all day yesterday gets uh gets pulled up yesterday uh or two days ago uh gets brought up um I believe it was Austin Allen and uh, Jordan Weems were sent down um to start uh yesterday's game because Mike Fires continues to have um, injury issues probably why he didn't pitch so well in his last start. This is his first start of his, of his major league career. We've seen him before, of course, last year. We talked about it all last year, how he could be potentially a bullpen piece for the future because, you know, he's he's had been up and down. You know, he had some injury issues. He was a big part of that um, Yankees trade along – or the Sonny Gray trade along with Dexter Fowler and uh, – or Dustin Fowler. Yeah, I'm like, the racer? <laughs> Dustin Fowler and um, – Jorge Mateo. Uh, Jorge Mateo. Um, again, three guys that were high prospects coming into the Yankee system had some injury issues. So it was, it was a big, like a lot of potential, uh, high ceiling or high ceiling, high, uh, low floor, um, type of situation. James Caprillion is the only one remaining from the Sunny Gray trade. 
We all know we traded Jorge. We talked about it a lot this offseason when Marcus left. We traded Jorge Mateo last year to the Padres, which, you know, Elvis is playing a lot better, but looking back, it probably wasn't a very good decision because we got rid of our only shortstop prospect. Um, Dustin Fowler just didn't work out. He just got DFA, just, you know, wasn't too great. I believe he's in uh, Pittsburgh right now, along with Kai oh, Tom. He's in Pittsburgh now? Yeah. Sweet. Um, good for them. Um, so, Caprillion's the only piece left. You know, me and Julio are kind of talked about. We thought we, he maybe he'd be a, you know, our, our rotation depth is really good. I don't re- really see a spot for him, especially when they brought back Mike Fires, but it seems like he could be a bullpen piece, but got brought up yesterday and he pitched an absolute gem. He had, a, he got a little roughed up in the first inning, gave up run, one run, got in some trouble, but you could, I would argue that's just first start jitters. He's probably nervous. First game at Fenway too. I mean, it's just combination of things. But after that, he was lights out. He was so good. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me. Julio, do you have them? You can maybe uh, list them off. Uh, I can kind of distract while you go ahead and pull those up, but we have to think okay, about, um, and just think about the road that it took to get here. You know, obviously it was a part of that trade. Also the guys had two Tommy John surgeries. Um, since he was drafted by the Yankees, he was a 16th overall pick in 2015. We, yeah, like you said, we did a whole piece about him last season, how excited we were. And, uh, after the first, and Chris already said you pitched at Fenway, which if your first career start and it's at Fenway and the fact that you can kind of get out of it the way you, he did, um, you got to feel really good about yourself, man. It's not an easy place to pitch. Obviously look at Sean Mania, who, uh, you know, unfortunately he got completely blown up today. Yeah, Alex Coffey actually had a pretty funny, well, it's not funny, but she had his career ERA of pitching at Fenway is actually 16.04. So, you know, say what you want about he really Sean. Just does not, he really just does not like Boston, huh? Just yeah, say what you want about, about Sean and his, he's still like a solid pitcher at the end of the day. <laughs> that's just not a fun, that's just not an easy place to pitch. So for yeah. James to go out and pitch the way he did and, Gaining that mantra of big game, James, you love to see it, man. He's got two nicknames now. So I've been calling him big game, James. I hope that sticks. And also Simone McCarthy called him cap. So I think, and a lot of people are really writing that one. So I think that nickname is going to take over, but I'm still calling him big game, James. Um, uh, yeah, you said he got roughed up a little bit in the first inning. He did. I mean, but he still only gave up four hits. So yeah, he has one it was run, just the jitters. Hundred, I think more three than walks, just jitters, six just strikeouts. A... I mean, he was great. It was fantastic. He really set it up for Birch to come back in and and do his. It's so great to see Birch back. By Bad Birch alert, man. Um, he looked awesome. He was. Yeah, he just he he picked up exactly where he left off last season. Birch came in, did two strong innings. Trevino comes in, and holds it before Deekman. Picked up Deekman again on my fantasy team, by the way. Um, just stellar, You're on again, off again relationship. He's, been, he's, got, he's got two saves for me this week, so it's working out. Um, and I still got Rosenthal and IL. It doesn't matter. Let's keep going. Um, but the biggest story of the day actually was his dad. So the, per- the broadcast kept on going back to his dad who was sitting like, I don't know, nine rows behind home plate, um, kind of to the right side. Um, and he was just super enthusiastic. Like every time he would strike someone out, he would just like pump his fist, like yeah, and high five like all the people around him. Um, and they kept on cutting to him, and it was great. It was so much fun to watch to see him just so enthusiastic to be there for his son's first first uh, start. And 
He has a really close relationship with his father, which I know a lot of people do, but he does even more recently because his mother passed away after a long fight with cancer. So his dad is the only real family member he has left in his life. So it was really cool to see just like that relationship really like um, be showcased in this in this start. And um, we hope to see a lot more of of Mr. Mr. Cap um, in the future. But it was awesome. And I really think like. You know, if things don't work out with fires, this injury, I really think that James could be the, you know, a, a future piece to this rotation, not just like the fifth start of this season, but he could really be a, a cornerstone future piece to this rotation for years to come. And think about in like three years when he's developed completely, um, going up and then when, you know, Jesus is finally at the potential he has and, you know, AJ Puck is, is, you know, what maybe he's in the bullpen though. I don't know. Um, going up against a rotation of those guys, one through five, against Jesus, Bassett, uh, Manaya, Montas, and Caprillion. That's dirty, bro. That is dirty. I think something uh, I wanted to kind of circle back to was, I believe when Seth Brown hit that walk-off, or when he had that, just he had a, a fucking awesome series against the Rays, uh, I, I believe it was him who was talked about it, but he was talking about, he's like, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of these guys who are pitching since the minors. So yeah. like, you know, I was, there was a lot of familiarity with me for certain guys when arms would get thrown out there. You can imagine the same thing was going on with James, man. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know, Bobby Dalbeck has been kind of the top, the tie prospect for the Sox for a minute. Haven't seen guys like that kind of going up in the, in the lineup with some familiarity. Um, one thing I do want to highlight, so he's from Southern California, too. Um, went to I, UCLA. Went to UCLA from Laguna Hills. Um, I So one thing I think is freaking awesome. We know we're big people when it comes to just heritage and culture. You know, we're both very boastful Metskins on this podcast. Um, James Kamprilian is Armenian, and we don't see many Armenian baseball players and just to kind of see him, you know, do it for that culture. I, I live in Glendale. Glendale's actually one of the biggest Armenian. Um, it's the second biggest in the world, dude. Yeah, the Armenian second community or the second biggest Armenian community outside of Armenia. And yeah. just to see somebody who is doing it for, you know, that culture and that heritage. That's so tight. So it's it, awesome, man. It's really yeah. awesome. It's very inspiring. So I hope this is the start of something great with them. Uh, and at the kind of the bad side of this is like, what does this mean for Mike Fires, man? Like if he can if he can catch this, he can consistently pitch like this. If Birch Smith is going to be kind of the mid relief long guy, and then if Puck comes up and he's going to catch that, and then if Cole Irvin's still pitching the way he is, like I. We know there was some. He's gonna get released, man. Like, yeah, that's that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, there... it sucks because you know the league probably blackballed him, so he's probably not gonna get picked up anywhere. It's really unfortunate. It's bullshit, and it's really unfortunate. But it that's that's probably what's gonna happen. It, you know, like I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's not gonna want to be in the bullpen. Like, and at the know. and at the look at the same day, I forgot who was the person that tweeted, and we I think we might have quote tweeted it saying something like. Oh, that was the last time we've seen Mike Fire start a game for the Oakland A's. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, true. hey, that might have been the last time we've seen him pitch. But which sucks. Cause I love the guy, man. Oh, he's awesome, Mikey F. Baby. He's been so much fun. So hopefully, they're obviously a very long season. Let's see what's going to happen. 
We don't want to speculate anything, but we should just celebrate just seeing Cap out there having such an awesome start. And we got to celebrate in the now with that. And I think, so back to, you know, his heritage, because you segued before I could touch on that. Yeah. That's just so town biz, bro. That's just so fucking town. That's just like, yep. that's just Oakland. You know what I mean? Like just super, just like diverse. And, and that's what I love about that shit. Um, anyway. I believe before we go. We, we go to the next thing, and I think I need somebody to correct me on this. I'm sure we'll see, I have to ask around. I believe Orinda is also like the East Bay city with like a big Armenian population. I could be wrong with that one. I think it's Orinda or Lafayette. One of those two has like pretty big. I mean, Armenian um, population. I would be a well. little shocked by that. I, I don't know. I associate Arinda with, like, rich white people. I associate Arinda with... No the, offense to any Arinda people out there. Yeah. That's offensive. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's a fact, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I am rich, yeah. Rich, rich, people, rich people get very uh, very uh, testy when you, <laughs> when you make fun of them for being rich. I'm sorry that you have more, you know, opportunities than I do because you're rich. Anyway. It I matter. associate... Uh, Orinda with two things with that really the movie theater yes the really cool movie theater and there's a Bart and no there's a really bomb deli called Europa oh yeah my dad my, my, my dad and my mom would actually every every blue moon we'd go out there I, I think because my you know my dad is a roofer and, and always yeah. goes around all over the East Bay and probably at one point like hey let's go here but yeah Bomb deli. If you're ever in Arenda, go catch a movie. Go to the deli. Have a good that's night. Also the, that's also the last BART stop before you reach the tunnel. So, like, the, the hills. So, I know a lot of times growing up, we would stop there and park there. And also because it's Arenda, so you feel safe with your car there. So, we would park there. You know what? I'm just going to say this. Arenda. Take BART in the city. Arenda. Underrated. Under, Orinda is underrated, bro. I fuck with Orinda for yeah, sure. It's I, I, I was quaint. I, it was a bit. I was making fun of the rich people. That was a bit. So don't actually be upset with me, rich people. Uh, you can I have cool shit. I fuck with Orinda hardcore, bro. I think it's Orinda's really um, cool. Camp Alindo, you high school? Ooh, there you go. There you go. They're really good at water polo, apparently. Anyway, sorry, I had to take a sip of my beer before we move on. Yeah, but hey, yeah, you know, news. Chris. I was gonna say, Chris, it's going down. I'm yelling, Pender. <laughs> Uh, we can look at my Pinder profile now. <laughs> hey, Chad swipe back, right, ladies baby. and gentlemen. Chad Pinder, swipe right to Chad Pinder because he will be back for this Minnesota series this weekend. He had his last rehab start today. He's joining the team tomorrow, uh, today, Thursday, May 13th. He's joining the team tomorrow, Friday, May 14th. We will see him back in the green and gold. Thank God. We, I mean, we talked about this last week about the depth um in the infield as well as seven through nine hitters just we need him back so bad and just his like you know alex even touched on it when we asked her about leadership in the offseason when uh when she came on alex coffee um how important of a leader he is in the clubhouse like you know he was one of the guys who with ramon and marcus who rallied the guys in game three for the comeback in the alds last year like he's just so important in the clubhouse so i'm just happy to have him back and I think he's ready to hit. I'm sure he's been seeing how this team has been playing, and you know, obviously been playing great. But like, you could see how much better we would be if we had him there. Um, yeah. And we've, we've we've harped on that a lot over these last few weeks. 
But yeah. to show you how excited he's been, he's had 12 at-bats in, in uh, AAA Las Vegas. Uh, he's 4 for 12, a home run, 3 RBIs, 3 runs. He's hitting 333. His on-base percentage is 385, and his OPS is it's over 1,000. So mm. he's ready, and it's going to be a big series. Even though the Twins currently have the worst record in baseball, they are not the worst team in baseball. We all know that. Yeah. So, but he and huge. he's gonna give some well-deserved rest for Jed, who's been like a work horse out there playing every fucking day. He's gonna probably give some relief to to Elvis, who we all know Elvis needs it. Maybe he can DH a little bit and and just like focus on that. And uh, and and you know outfield our outfield's pretty healthy right now so i'm not too worried about it but you know if something does go down you know like can has been struggling hitting wise you know plate at the plate he's doing great because he's still walking but he's hitting two he's hitting 238 now like you know maybe he could get some days off because he has had no days off he because ramon was injured uh piscotti was injured beginning season i think can has played every single game this season he could use some rest and really like kind of like revamp his like you know his hitting and his 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 contact and, and whatnot, and also getting yeah. I, I, I can't. I, I don't know if you heard, said it or not, but like giving Chappie some days off at third as well. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. just like, you know, when it's like when your coworker returns from work from vacation or returns to work from vacation, you're like tight. Now it's my turn to go, kind of thing, to take some days yeah. off. But I still think even with him back, I still think there's going to be some middle infield depth problems going forward if they want to contend. Um, he, it, yeah, he's not going to solve everything, which yeah. we'll see what's going to happen over these next few months. But he's coming at a pretty clutch time where the A schedule is going to be pretty tricky over the next... He's not going to solve everything for a first place in the American League team. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but like... Like we, we yeah, talked about yeah. this last week, the last schedule, the next few weeks. There's a reason why they call him Chad plays everywhere Pinder. Yeah. You know, his just importance everywhere on the field. We're going to need it. We got uh, Minnesota this weekend, Houston uh, at the Angels, which will be there. What's up? Mm-hmm. Um, Mariners coming to town, Angels coming to town. And then it kind of lines up the Rockies and the D-backs. But besides the point, yeah. there's a lot of games that are going to be played. A lot of these guys have played almost every game if not missing a couple games it's gonna be nice to have him back yeah all right let's move on um oh this is some cool news that shannon rubin reported today um 85 of the a's um and that's not just the players that's the clubhouse that's the staff that's the uh coaching staff that's the like equipment staff that's all those people and the triple a team 85 percent vaccinated um, so they have hit herd immunity, um, so they can have more fun. Yeah. So, uh, so what that means yeah. is, uh, once you hit a certain threshold, which I believe is the eighty-five percent, ninety percent, have yeah, to be checked. Herd, herd immunity. It's yeah, a, you can start being a little more. Uh, you can ease in onto some of the restrictions, so you don't have to wear a mask in the dugouts anymore. It was a yeah. huge, <laughs> it was a huge deal for the Astros because it was like, uh, Dusty Baker has had like a mountain of toothpicks ready for his mouth for this whole last season in Mm -hmm. Houston. Um, You can start bringing in more family members or friends to games. You can start actually like socializing more outside of baseball. So does it really affect the game? Not really. Does it affect like the mental health of the players? 
Absolutely. It gives, yeah. at the end of the day, they're still people. They need that normalcy as well. They feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's going to be, re- for us who are on social media, it's going to be exciting because, you know, that means out of the pack, Mac is going to be eating all over the place with that big league foodie stuff. Um, He and, uh, not he, sorry. And, um, Shannon also pointed out that's a big reason why rehab assignments have only been in AAA. They haven't brought them because sometimes, especially with younger players, they'll start them at double, um, like with two games, and they'll bring them to triple for the rest of their rehab assignment. They haven't done that at all. It's been just strictly AAA because they want to keep them. They don't want to risk COVID situations, especially with our AA team being in Texas, and we know how Texas has been handling this bullshit lately. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, exciting stuff. Um Go get vaccinated, please. How much you can say? So that was the fun stuff, Chris. Let's get pissed now. Okay, so you've all been tuning into this podcast and to listen to this. So I I know I have a lot of friends who don't listen to our podcast who are listening to this episode because they want to hear our take on this. Okay, so if if you've been living under a rock, um, because it's been the biggest story in sports the past three days. Like I'm not even kidding. It's been the biggest story in sports. Like. Um, around the horn yesterday, um, Mina Kimes won and her like 30 seconds of FaceTime. If you guys watch that show at the end of the show, it's anyway, it doesn't matter. She talked about the situation. She got some facts wrong, which I have an uh, issue with, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, she spoke on it. So the A's Jeff Passon tweeted when Tuesday. Yes. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Jeff Passon tweeted Tuesday that the A's have been given permission by Major League Baseball to start pursuing stadium locations outside of Oakland in different markets. Uh, This blew up. Um, I think within an hour of that tweet going out, because obviously there were ESPN notifications on the ESPN app afterward, I got like five text messages. Um, and he also added on to that tweet saying that the uh, top um, cities that they are looking at are Las Vegas, Portland. I think he only said Las Vegas and Portland. It was Charlotte else and Montreal. And Nashville. But those came from other sources later. His immediate tweet, I think, was just Portland and Vegas. Um, I think we all knew that this was happening. But we just like didn't want to believe it because there was so much progress um, with the Howard Terminal site. There's a lot of levels to this situation that we will try to get through. But that was the initial shock of it. And my initial thought, which is I think is very similar to yours, Julio, is that this was the A's publicly putting out there to the city council who has been dragging their feet on this proposal in just not even just like saying yes, but just making a decision um, to you either got to shit or get off the pot. You either got to approve this or let us, or we're going to go somewhere else. Like, it's just like, you got to make a decision because we're not going to sit here anymore because we've been sitting here for 15 years. And again, there's a lot more levels to this. Marcus Thompson put out a, fantastic piece yesterday at the athletic that really explained a lot of it. He's an Oakland resident. He has been his whole life. Um, from that perspective, you know, I agree with a lot of what he's saying, but not all of it. 
Uh, I'm going to pass it to you, Julio. Sorry, I've been talking for too long. So you you give your piece on it. Uh, yeah. Look, we all knew this was kind of going to happen. Um, I, I, I'll i get to my, like how I actually feel a little bit later, but I think the initial, it's like the five stages of grief kind of thing, you know? The initial reaction was, Oakland, the city council's fucking up. They, they were presented with such a good proposal in this last one they sent, I believe, a couple months ago. There's been a ton of progress where the city, where the A's have, were able to like buy half the Alameda County's half of the Coliseum site where they filed a lawsuit. And they're trying to buy the city's half. Yeah, yeah. And then they were were able to buy, um, or like force the lawsuit against like Schitzer Steel over in West Oakland where the pollution's going out. Like it looks like there was a ton of progress. And of course, you know, rooted in Oakland. Hey, we're doing that. And this news just seems slimy more than anything. I think it seems like we've been seeing this whole situation through some rose tinted glasses where we've been, because we've been kind of fed of Dave Cavill, who we're, we're, we're kind of seeing him more for what he's really like right now. Unfortunately, um, he's just more or less, he works for the owner. I mean, he works. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's say what it is. Like he's a great guy, but he, there, he does have a boss and he has to work for that guy. You know, I, I know people who work, in HR and the way that HR works, like, hey, of course, yeah, they're going to help you out. But at the end of the day, they're there to represent the company, more or less. And that's kind of Dave's job. So, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of slack towards him. Um, obviously, we got to shit on J- John Fisher every waking opportunity we can because Marcus Thompson hit on the nail in the head, man. Bro, <laughs> you know how many people will line up to buy that team in a heartbeat and will willing to pay everything out of pocket to get that done. You know how many people like, dude, Joe Lacob will do that in a heartbeat. We like, It's funny. Cause we've been talking about Joe Lacob for a long time. And it felt like we were the only ones talking about it. And then after this happened, like people want it. People, people want, it, want Joe Lacob. Yeah. Ace fans want Joe Lacob. Think of that's the, a fact. It just doesn't make it, it. And Dave Cavill also came out statement that there's no interest in selling the team, but it's like, I feel like this is where Major League Baseball needs to step in and being like, look, it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea to leave Oakland in that region alone. There is so much money there. Do not leave that. Like, you shouldn't leave that. You shouldn't leave that. Like, look, and Marcus Thompson hit that nail on the head, which is at the end of the day, Oakland's going to be fine. Oakland has a lot of other problems, and they're going to put that infrastructure and that money towards other things. But... If that stadium were to happen, it would help a lot of that out. And, and it's- if you haven't read Marcus, Th- just I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is important. If you haven't read Marcus Thompson's piece and you have an athletic subscription, I would highly recommend you go and read it because he explains a lot of things. Also, Alex Coffee, she put out a piece. She's that been explains a lot of things. She explains yeah. a lot of things. She's been but Marcus badass Thompson's these last few ex- days. I've loved yeah. what she's done about like putting pressure because she doesn't take shit from like yeah. she sees past all this too. So yeah. like kudos, and, Alex. And Marcus Thompson, he does a great job of doing that, but he also puts it from an Oakland resident perspective, but not just an Oakland resident perspective, but as a lifelong diehard A's fan perspective. So he sees it as I don't want the team that I grew up with to leave. I don't want this team that I watched 
you know, in the 80s, like, you know, be so successful. And he even brings back a lot of memories. Leave. But if you got to do it, you can go fuck yourself because, you know, I'm not I'm seeing through the bullshit. Sorry. Keep yeah. Going. But I think another thing that people aren't really focusing too much on and we just we, we talked about it when we were talking about James Caprillion was like the culture, the culture and the heritage. Uh, how important baseball is, is not just to Oakland, but to Alameda County and not just Alameda County, but, you know, East Contra Bay. Casa County and the whole East Bay, man. Think about how many players have come in, have come out of Oakland just from the A's times being there. How many like legends, you know, we've, you know, Rick Anderson, Dave Stewart, Jimmy Rollins, Dontrell Willis, like the list, like Frank Robinson, Frank like, Robinson, on on. Out of, like the list goes on. Well, Frank Robinson, not as much because like, yeah, he grew up pre Oakland A's. Yeah, no, yeah, but, it, but think about how many of those players and Don't again, I, the reason I brought this up because Dontrell Willis was the person who tweeted. He's, he said, he's like, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the Oakland A's. Yeah. We know how tough, you know, having family members growing up out in, in Oakland in the early 90s and late 80s and throughout the 90s, really, how tough some of that region is. And for a lot of these kids, baseball was that escape. Marcus Thompson going, we're going to keep talking about this. If one, if you don't have an athletic subscription, go subscribe and read this. But two, it's a part of the culture. He was able to go to games at the Coliseum because he made friends throughout the years who were able to just bring him in for free and hook mm-hmm. him up with hot dogs or think about like, you know, we all we both grew up playing baseball and me not as much, but like how excited you were when you'd be like, Oh, it's Little League Day and Vita Blue is signing autographs. And I'd be like, Who the hell is Vita Blue? And then my dad would be like, Vita Blue, this guy is a complete was a badass and give me his history about him. And that got me more interested in the sport. So it's like you're taking away a part of a huge ideology of like the foundation of what the East Bay is, what Oakland is, if you try to take this team out. And that's something I feel like a lot of people, oh, a lot of people are losing right now. Also, another yeah. person we should have mentioned and had a great, really great quote about it, Dennis Eckersley, grew up in Oakland, played for the A's. He also had a fantastic coach just saying like, you know, business, business is like, I might, I'm like, I'll never be the same if they leave. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it's, it's sad. Another thing that's been great too, though, is nationwide support of people saying like, like no, that's Oakland. Like the A's are mm-hmm. Oakland. Like more, mm-hmm. like this was more than the Raiders, way more, and it, then like more than the Warriors. People are saying like, no, you don't take the A's out of Oakland, man. Like that's such an so, identification in that city. We're going very heavy on one side of it right now, clearly, which is you know great. And I just want to touch on this, and then we'll we'll hit the other side. So absolutely, it it. It, and and to do this for the third time in three years would be just gut-wrenching to the East Bay community. So that's another really shitty part about it. And, you know, with the way the Raiders left was really sketchy. They wanted a ton of public money. We weren't going to – they weren't going to give it to them. Good. Good riddance. We're, it is what it is, you know. Like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't hurt, but it was like, you know, it, it they understood – they left before, used to it. They left before the Warriors. That one really hurt to a lot. I, you know, I've, I'm of the, I'm a Warriors fan. You can see the fucking Steph Curry sign jersey to my left if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, I am a diehard Warriors fan. Have been my whole life, majority of my life, I would say. I was a Kings fan. I have no Warriors stuff in here, but I, I am also a diehard fan. Just wanted to. Yeah. 
so I have always been of the belief that the Warriors are the Bay Area's team. So for me, it's never really mattered exactly where they lit, where they play their games as long as they are in the Bay Area. But I know for a lot of people who were born and raised in Oakland, Alameda, Berkeley, Hayward, Santa Le- San Leandro, that's not the same case because that team is very much Oakland. Everything about what they do and how they operate is very much Oakland. It's not San Francisco at all whatsoever. Um the best part about that team was being able to like in the nineties when they were like pretty good, but not good enough. Just like being able to like the common man, the blue collar guy who works at the fucking docks, the longshoreman who works at the Oakland port to be able to get off work, take his kid to a game and not pay that much money. And that's why Oakland became Roracle because the diehard fans were there and they were super enthusiastic and they knew the game of basketball. They knew the team, they knew what was going on. So when they left to go to San Francisco and brought in that corporate crowd, that, that uh that tech crowd you know it was a different story so they weren't as happy so i know those people aren't as happy but there is a portion of the bay area that's that's a little bit different warriors fans a little bit different this one i mean i don't i don't even know i just like i don't even know where to start i mean i know the raiders were there first but they left so it's a little bit different story but this just everything about the a's is just like yeah like you kind of said it it's just like very much ingrained in in the culture of of the city and it it just feels like i don't know i mean it just it would really i don't even i mean i i would still be an a's fan i'm not gonna lie you know if they went to portland or they went to vegas i mean it'd be easier to go to games in vegas but like it just wouldn't feel the same you know just wouldn't feel the same for the raiders it doesn't it does feel the same they left already so it's like i'm kind of used to it but like i don't know i just like i i at the same time, our owner is such a fucking shitbag that I just like, you know, just like hearing like some of the, like the underlying little like, like negotiary moves that he's trying to make. It's like, dude, you're worth $4 billion. Like you can't pay $800 million for community outreach that you're going to get back. Like, like you're going to profit off of that. But you're asking, you're asking the, you're asking the city to pay for it, especially the 400 million uh, 450 million for like housing and stuff like that in the area like that shit drives like dude like you're gonna profit off that but you want the city to pay for that so you want to make a hundred percent profit like go fuck yourself like that's ridiculous like and he's been doing this shit since he's owned the team lou wolf's been doing this shit well he didn't do it as much he tried to go somewhere else he tried to go to his own land that he owned to make money off of there it's just like ugh. it just it it, it just feels like gross i feel like i need to take a shower when i like talk about it and like the first reaction was just like you i was defending like no the city of oakland's fucking up but then it's like i read about it and it's like although it's going to community like outreach is going to help the community he wants to benefit off of that and like you're really going to try and squeeze the city for money and try and pull this bullshit like either either we leave or you or you pay like Come on, man. Like, I don't know. It doesn't look. And it's like you're, I feel you're dirty, you're, man. Yeah. You're trying to pull this on a city that um, has a massive problem when it comes to public education right now. That is having a massive amount of people who've been lifelong residents who have unfortunately haven't been able to afford the city anymore because of the residential boom and people from San Francisco moving into Oakland. Yeah, you have a devastating homeless crisis that's not only just affecting Oakland, but really every major city in California. 
And then to top off that, you are trying to push us onto a city where we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of a global pandemic that's killed 500,000 people in this country alone. And we, we, we don't, I don't know the specifics on how many Oakland residents have been killed with COVID, but we can be in the assumption knowing that how many, how some of the people in West Oakland have to live in such close quarters with each other and how a lot of those people are unfortunately are low income and had to work public jobs. Probably definitely know people who've passed away. Unfortunately, you're going to pull that shit. And you've you've made yeah. money off the pandemic. Yeah, you've gotten richer, and you're going to try and pull this shit. Like it's just like it. Is, there is frustration with the city. Like like you got to make a decision, but it's also like fuck this guy. And there is corruption on all sides, though. Yeah, no, but look, nobody's perfect in this. Yeah, everybody the, sucks in this whole situation. So the East the East Oakland Stadium Alliance, which is a group that formed. I don't know, a year or two ago. They are pretty much a propaganda machine trying to not allow the Howard... I don't know enough about it, but from what I can read and see, they don't want the stadium to be built at Howard Terminal. I don't know if it's because they want to remain... The ball, the team remain um, playing in East Oakland at the Coliseum site, or if it's a... F- organization funded by other you know other businesses organizations there's a rumor going around that the giants are funding it because they want them to leave so that they can own this entire market which is a massive market i don't know i'm not going to go into conspiracy theories but they're spitting lies as well so they've been really big big on it's going to cause more traffic in oakland which it's not it's not going to cause that much more traffic it's right off the freeway so they're trying to say that in order to get in order to get to the this stadium, you're gonna have to go through um the port street. I forgot what it is in West Oakland. I don't remember what it is. Linden Street Brewing is on that street, by the way. Great brewery. Um they're trying to say that people will lose jobs because they're not gonna be employed in East Oakland anymore. Um, but Cavill has already said that he wants to bring all that staff over to the new ballpark staff as well as create more jobs from all like the shops and the bars and the, it just, so that's wrong. Um, and that's going to cost taxpayers more money, which I don't know the logistics on that, but from what I remember reading for the proposal, it's not going to cost the city more money. It's not going to cost residents of the city more money. It's just the city is going to be cost more money. I, I It's just like they're taking money from other parts of their budget. Don't quote me on that. I don't exactly know, but that's from what I read about that so it's just like there's corruption on both sides and everybody has their own agenda um and it's just it's exhausting it's exhausting it really is and this has been going on for 15 years yeah it it seems like longer um yeah seems like my whole life yeah now there's obviously some time the stadium deal for the Coliseum site expires in 2024. But there. but Cavill has said that they want a decision from the city council before they convene for summer break in end of June. Yeah. We'll yeah. see, man. It's, if they don't uh, hear an answer, they're going to start pursuing other places. And, and, so. um, and also, another thing we didn't talk about, too, uh, after this was reported... 
back to our good friend Alex Coffey. She actually read up. She had a piece where um, Matt, Rob Manfred, who gave the okay, you know, scumbag of baseball, uh, gave the okay for the Oakland A's to start looking at relocation possibilities. Uh, he's gave them that option for like the last three, four years, I guess. That yeah. he gave them the option, like if you know, break in case of emergency, I'll pull this card on them, which is all just. It's so it's all just dirty. I don't know what really else we can really say about it at this point. Um, it's but a it's a business at the end of the day, man. It's a business, but it's just and, like yeah. And David Sampson was on Levitard today, and he talked about it. Former um, president of the Miami Dolphins, you aren't allowed to pursue other locations. And in fact, if you find out, there's like massive fines if you do to pursue other location options without the approval of the commissioner's office. So that means that John Fisher asked this three years ago, if that's true. So it's like, clearly, you're trying to, you know, force Oakland's hand if you're coming out with this now. I'm very, I'm really curious as a how Jeff Passan, like, who leaked this information, Jeff Passan? Who do you, like, it's got to be, it's got to be, like, someone from ownership, right? Like, I'm, I'm just very, I, I, I was really wondering that that day. Um, there's... Where was I reading we'll, about we'll never it? know. We'll never know. I think was but. it Marcus Thompson that in his piece again, great piece. Um, was it he? Was it his piece? I feel like we've been reading a lot about it. Was it him who was talking about that there was some information that was getting out by former employees? Hmm. There was somebody that was like former employees were leaking some stuff, but so in here, here so I, I said that I had like a few, I wouldn't say issues, but disagreements with with Marcus Thompson's piece and. I just want to touch on those real quick. And, you know, Logan uh, Murdoch had said some things on Twitter as well. I listened to a podcast with both of them recently um, for with uh, Bill Simmons. Oh, was it the, talk- the Steph podcast? Yeah, and they talked about awesome. Steph. And then at the end, you know, Bill asked them about, like, what's it like with the Warriors in San Francisco now instead of Oakland? And they just sounded completely heartbroken. Um, these are basketball guys, obviously. Yeah. Um, so Marcus Thompson's tone in his piece and then Logan Murdoch's tone on Twitter just kind of at certain parts, only certain parts, a very small percentage, like of the piece rubbed me the wrong way because especially after hearing that podcast and how like heartbroken they were about that situation and how now they're just like, with this situation, they're like, fuck the A's, like, you know, you can kick rocks or whatever. It just seemed very biased um, for the Warriors situation as opposed to the A situation. So you're going to get mad at the Warriors for making the money grab and be, like, more sentimental about that. But for this one, you know, you can kick rocks, even though they're willing to stay. I don't know. I'm not explaining this very well, but... That that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, and you could tell that there's a there's a basketball bias as opposed to a baseball bias yeah. there. But uh, you could argue with Marcus though, not with Logan, with Marcus, that he wrote this piece in anger, so that's oh, maybe time. why he had this tone because he was just so upset that his team was trying to pull this. With Logan, I don't know. It didn't seem. It also didn't seem like Logan. He he was very vague with his stuff, so I think that he might just not be as informed. Um, but. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, I feel like we've been talking about it for a little bit. I think we should probably get to the town, but I think one more, a couple more points we should. Well, well, let's make our closing arguments. How about that? I, I just, I don't want to make. I just want to make. I want to touch on Mina Kimes statement. Just can I touch on that because it, it that rubbed me the wrong so way. So wait, well. what did she say exactly? I, I, I didn't She's, see that. She basically, um, her entire pitch, because you know, around the horn is a show on ESPN where writers come on there and they argue about sports topics that day and situations and mina kimes won that episode in her 30 seconds of facetime that's at the very end you get 30 seconds to like preach to the camera and she talked about the oakland a situation and she said like and her entire pitch was about how the a's um are asking for 800 million dollars uh, of public money to build their stadium and i think that's actually quote for quote what she said she says she, they want 800 million dollars to build their stadium teams have to stop doing this asking for citizens to billionaires need to stop asking for citizens to pay for their stadiums and make money off it. That's not what's going on. So that's what rubbed me the wrong way. She didn't go into the logistics. She's kind of like, she's, it's almost like she's, she's painting it to the public, especially the national public in an incorrect light. So it's like making the A's look even worse, which I'm not trying to defend them, but like she's, she, she's making it seem like they're being like greedy money grabbing jerks that are trying to just like have the citizens pay for their stadium, but that's not what the $800 million are for. It's for community outreach. The entire stadium, the building itself is going to be privately funded. No public money is going to that. It's community outreach, community programs, like community housing that they're asking for. So like that, it's just, it doesn't matter, but that pissed me off when I heard that because this is a national TV show and she is, Mina Kimes is one of the biggest names in sports right now. And she's, painting the situation in an incorrect light and just like making it look bad it just that just it just rubbed me the wrong way and i love mina kimes i, I fucking love mina kimes but that just that just it just bugged me it just it just bugged me yeah it's it's a little spicy and i'm not here for that i'm not down for that yeah um it's a little bummer just because like i don't know if if, if you've watched the uh sb nation what their dorktown series on um, this the history of the seattle mariners and you see like how important, how close they were to leaving Seattle in the early mid nineties. And then Griffey yeah. came along and pretty much Griffey saved that franchise. Yeah. Um, and we also have to think about the giants, how long we, we said this, I brought this up in a group chat, the giants for a good 10 years. They pulled for, the same shit. Yeah. For, for those of you who don't know the giants in the nineties fans don't even know. Yeah. The giants in the nineties are the eighties weren't the team of the Bay Area. That it was the A's. The A's were the team. They had the three P in the seventies. They had went to three straight World Series, late eighties, early nineties. That was the the A's were the team and the Giants were in the process of relocating. And there's actually plenty of footage. You can look all over the place on YouTube. You can Google it of the Tampa Bay Giant because the Giants were this close to moving to Tampa Bay. And you know, things kind of folded the way they did. Tampa got their expansion franchise. The Giants end up staying. Um, the reason I bring this up is um, let's not lose hope at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. This is a real, I think there's a really good deal. Um, Libby Scheif, the mayor of Oakland is all on board for keeping the A's. She wants the stadium deal done. It's really down to the city council, the council, the way the voting is going to work out is if it's an even draw when it comes to the vote on what to do with the stadium she is going to be the tiebreaker. Not only does she want it, 
if she wants any further political career within California, if she wants yeah. to run for senator, if she wants it. to run for governor, if she wants to do whatever she wants to run for Congress of California, uh, she does not want to be the person who's lost three professional sports franchises in the city of Oakland. At the end of the day, she's all on in this. So be ha- be faithful in that. But if you are an Oakland resident, if you have family members of Oakland resident, East Bay residents, you got to start pushing on these people. you got to start mm-hmm. pushing on these city council members. Um, there are Twitter accounts. Uh, we'll be tweeting more of this stuff, and we'll find some links to send out to people where, like, if you know people who are resident, who you really want this to happen, you really ought to push, you got to get them there to get them going. Um, I Because I, at the end of the day, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. It's exhausting. Yeah. Tuesday, I literally, I think we're the same boat. It's hard to fo- watch these games and focus on the games because yeah. you're thinking about this in the back, and because you're, you're constantly reminded of it, you know. They pre- yeah, the first thing they brought up on the broadcast on Tuesday was this, and I'm like, but it's not even that. Just seeing like the Oakland A's logo, you're just reminded. About, it's like, oh yeah, this shit's going on. Yeah, and someone and, texts me new every day. And yeah, and it's like it was so hard to work on Tuesday. To be honest, it was so hard to focus on my yeah every, my really everyday was. job because of this. I was on Twitter all day. Like I, I got like almost nothing done. Yeah, and at at the end of the day, um, I think they're still gonna stay. I think they're gonna work this out. My hope is John Fisher's gone. I think he's the real. I understand city council. They have that look. I'm. I, I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm more on the side of the city council. There's plenty of other issues the city needs to take care of, and they're yeah. just looking out for those people. And they, they need it. And if you are worth billions of dollars, you're not really to front on that money, even though you're eventually going to get a profit from it. It might take a little bit longer, especially money that's not your own that you just got from your dad. Mm-hmm. Then don't own a team, man. That you that's got, a, you know. That's another, that's another risk thing. Risk it to I, get the biscuit. Yeah. And, um, you know, in in defense of the proposal, there it is a pretty good proposal. It's pretty lucrative, and they plan to do a lot with that area in East Oakland. And and uh, but you know they want they want the city to pay for a lot of it. Like Dave Cavill brought up a good point. So the proposal that Google made to Mountain View was nowhere near as um, as uh, impactful and helpful to the community as the A's have, but. That's two completely different. That's a counterpoint. Have you been to Mountain View? That's two completely different types of communities. So like that, that response really fucking pissed me off. It's like you're really gonna fucking compare East Oakland to Mountain View. Like, go get the fuck out of here. Have you ever been to Mountain View besides going to the Shoreline Amphitheater? I'm gonna ask that for you. You have. I I I I have. I shot I I shot a commercial at Google once, but that's it. That's literally it. Um. Uh, secondly, I texted you this the other day and I do think it's true. I think that Rob Manfred is, especially with all the shit that we gave him this off season after losing Marcus and shit, I think Rob Manfred and I think that MLB is kind of tired of John Fisher and the negative light that he paints on major league baseball. And I think this was kind of a move where it was like, either you got to get your shit together or like you're gone you gotta go bro like this isn't working and and i think that maybe joe lakeup or someone else is in contact with rob manfred about like hey man i would like to own this team and i have it figured out 
And I think that maybe he got like a last, maybe recently he got like another phone call. I was like, I'm serious, man. Like I, I, what do we got to do to make this happen? He was like, you know, I have an, another owner in line. So if this isn't going to work, then you got, you're done. You know, I, I really do. I really do think that we'll never know this conspiracy theory from me, from Chris. Um, Ten but I really do think that I really do think that. And, uh, there's a, there was a piece that was written a few, I think 2018, 2019, where Rob Manfred, you know, take what you want for his word, but he's like, uh, the, the A's will not leave Oakland. And he's like, he was a big, he was a big fan, big proponent of like, the A's are going to be staying, do whatever you can to make them stay. And yeah, you, you've got to kind of think that like, at the end of the day, uh, not only is this kind of a, at least the time in Oakland is a pretty historical franchise. There's not many teams you can put, you know, this, this is us kind of patting our own backs. There's not many teams you can put on the same echelon as what the A's accomplished in the 53 years in Oakland as other franchises. It's like Yankees, Cardinals, uh, you know, Giants more recently. And... I, I was like, I'm mean, I'm having a hard time thinking of, of other teams really off the top of my head. Nobody, nobody else can really put it up there. So, can I finish it off with a tweet from Buster Only back in 2014, which shows? Unless you, do you have something else? To say? Oh yeah, the last thing I was gonna say, yeah, echelon of baseball, but also, I think Rob Manfred is like, there's too much money in that region that yeah. you cannot lose that, especially with the Raiders leaving. And, you know, the Warriors, you know, the Warriors, they're still going to get that revenue. But it's like they see how much money people are willing to spend in that area and how much money is made in that area. Like, you do yeah. not want to leave that market. So that's my last two cents. So I, I want to finish off this conversation then we'll wrap it up with um, the upcoming schedule awards and all that jazz. With a tweet from Buster Olney back in 2014, this was when the A's made their first appearance on Sunday Night Baseball from the Coliseum since um, uh, the famous uh, Hatterberg walk-off. And this just describes this fan base. What would be your top five for ballpark atmosphere? Let me go first. Number one, Oakland. Number two, St. Louis. Number three, Boston. Number four, Pittsburgh. Number five, SF. That was tweeted from Buster Olney on. I have it saved. I was I just was really touched by this, so I have it saved to my phone. Uh, that was on August twenty fourth, two thousand fourteen. Um, he was at the Coliseum and it was just live, and he felt the need to tweet that. Um, so I think that describes the town, the town, town nation right there. All right, Julio. Forgot to add the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Also been successful in those 52 years. Pretty successful. But you know what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for raining on my parade. Uh, all right. right. Let's uh, – let's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what we do here. Let's, uh, let's uh, preview the coming schedule and then uh, pick a player of the week in Essential Tailgate Tools. So this week we have Minnesota. We just talked about the Twins in Minnesota, in Minneapolis um friday when this episode drops tomorrow um through sunday and then beginning next week tuesday through thursday we have the astros again 
Um, it feels like the only div- team we face in this division is the Astros, dude. I, we haven't like faced like hardly anybody in our division yet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Faced, like, I, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I literally, we, I was just joking. I, I we haven't faced the Rangers. We have, we're facing the Angels next week. Angels next week, yeah. Uh, Seattle? No, I don't think we've even faced Seattle yet. Seattle will be a fun series, especially with their two their two young prospects. They just mm-hmm. they're just about to bring up anyway. So pretty confident. I mean, we whooped the Twins last time. Um, Houston's having some injury issues and stuff like that. They're kind of a mess. So, <laughs> did you see the power rankings two weeks ago? Um, some like writer from MLB.com. So they had us tenth, and they had the Astros like seventh. So they had the Astros ranked higher. That was I. At first, I was like, "Is this a joke? Like, is this a com- a comedian recency bias?" It's it's just I don't think that person watched any baseball this season. Anyway. So that's the series. What do you what do you think? Um, and, well, yeah, Astros are are still like Chris said. They're having some injury problems again. Jose Urquidy yeah. left to start early yesterday, uh, Wednesday. Um, they've been they're still hanging in there. I think they're. I have to check the standings right now, but that's gonna be the more series I'm looking forward to. Minnesota is in a really tough spot right now. Dude. Byron Buxton. Early candidate for MVP. He's been he's out right now. Um, their rotation has just not been handed. We saw Kenta Maeda just really got rocked last time they were in Oakland. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, you know, you got to make sure to play to every team the same. Don't look down on any team because they're still a really good team at the end of the day. They're but in last used, 12 and 23, by the way. Yeah, the worst team in baseball right now. Three, they're worse than the Colorado Rockies, who just traded yeah. their best player last offseason. But the Houston series, uh, they've won three in a row. Good for them. Good Houston. For them. I'm sorry. Oh, Houston. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. Uh, they are game and a half out of first from the A's. It's gonna be a really fun series. They're back in Oakland. Uh, the A's are they're finally getting healthy again. Um, we'll see what happens in terms of like when Lozardo is gonna come back, but this will be a Really great series. Looking forward to this one big time. Yeah. Uh, Cool. All right. Who's your player of the week? I'm going with my dude, Seth Brown. Seth Brown. Dude, killed killer it. week. Killer weekend. Uh, he, I, I didn't see specifically what he did with Boston, but I got to say. He moved up in the batting order the past two days because he's been playing so well. Yep. He went four for 18. The batting average is, you know, good enough. He had the walk-off last Friday against Tampa, he had t- but overall in the series, uh, or this last week, two home runs, five RBIs, two walks, scored four runs. Um, just gives us more depth, man. The guy's been hitting at every level in the, ma- yeah. in the minors. Hopefully he continues this process. It was really interesting, too, before I throw it over to you. Um, they were showing, like, the five nominees potential for Rookie of the Year in American League. It was, like, Yerman Mercedes, um, but like right after him, Seth Brown. Nice. We, you'll see, man. Keep an eye out. Keep I it mean, up. yeah, it's definitely a solid fourth outfielder. This was an issue that we talked about going in the season, and he's been he's been great. So I know I have no complaints. Yeah. Who you got, Chris? I think uh, I know who, but let's see. Big game, James. I just had so much fun yeah. watching him pitch yesterday with him and his dad. So I gotta give him some love today. Big game, James, aka Cap. Um, shout out Simone McCarthy with the nicknames. Um, it, yeah, you know, big game, James, he, he just, he was great and it was so much fun. And 
maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid a little too much. Maybe I got some recency bias, but I'm I'm really high on him, man. I I I am I'm a fan, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know hopefully really root for his success moving forward. I'm gonna root for any A's success, but I really want him to be like, you know, I'm gonna root specifically for him for his success. So, uh, good job, James. Um, you got you got my uh, my love right there. Um, all right, cool. Last week's essential tailgate two of the week, Julio. You had Stephen Piscotti. Um, he yeah. didn't play as much. I noticed he didn't play yeah. today. He went two for I was eleven. Say, these stats aren't terrible, but he didn't. Yeah, only eleven. Only eleven at bats. Could be worse. But yeah, eleven at bats. He went two for eleven. Uh, one RBI, three walks, three strikeouts. So, yeah, yeah. So for Chris, you had the laser Ramon. Yeah, uh, not as good. Seven strikeouts and strikeouts and one ejection. I would argue that the ejection shouldn't happen, and he should only have six strikeouts because that was bullshit. That, that ball was, was horrible. Was did you watch the John Boy? Six inches. I didn't, but that okay. ball was a good six inches outside of the zone. Like, like that's the great thing about watching about modern day baseball. You get the zone right there, and it's just like, what is this dude doing? Like, it, and and uh, I forgot who it was. I think it was Chris. Uh, I don't know his last name on Twitter. Um, he's great. He's our friend Martinez anyway. from State Farm. No, it wasn't Chris Martinez. It, 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 our, our, he's a friend of the pot. Anyway, shout out, Chris. I'm sorry. I don't have your information up right now on Twitter. Um, I think it was him who tweeted it, but I can't remember. It was like uh, uh, just talking about like, yeah, so like another umpire who gets rewarded, rewarded for, for doing for being awful at their job. Like it's just it, – uh, why do we keep getting bone, Julio? Not, not the good way. That is. Um, yes, obviously. But there, uh, you know, there's something I actually want to bring up before we go on to our actual tailgate. Um, you know, I'm a huge John Boy guy. He actually did a really good breakdown of there was an umpire who called a, a actually really good game. Um, I can't find his name off the top of my head, but. Um, he did a breakdown where it's like this guy called a game with 99% accuracy Mm. and they're like, you know, we highlight a lot of the bats parts of empires, you know, Angel Hernandez, but like when the guys are like that, they're on the point, you got to give them their credit. And the guy who actually called that game behind the plate, it was like a Cardinals Rockies game. He was actually the first base umpire for tonight's game or today's game. Um, But yeah, if you get a chance, I'll send you the link for the John Boy Ramon video. It was but that's, but that's like a dude. Umpire's like a cop. Like if you're good at your job, no one knows about it, and no one should know about it. But if you're bad at your job, like you should go to jail. But we live in the era, uh, you know. I hate to say this as a millennial. That was a joke for the listeners. Yeah, I, I, we live in the <laughs> era where, like, dude, I think everybody should deserve some recognition for what yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. when an umpire calls a good game, I'm glad he put the video are up. Millennials are cursed because we got participation trophies. So this yeah, is the world but like, work for the rest of life. Yeah, and it's like I think we for an umpire like that who it's like, dude, you called a great game because there's so much negativity, and I guarantee that I don't know what the mental psyche of umpiring is, but that affects him. You know it. Sure. Sure. Anyways. All right. Let's pick this week's tail, essential tailgate tool of the week. You can go first. I'm going with my guy. I've picked him before. Everybody's your guy, Julio. When you say your guy, I don't know who you're talking about. My it's a my guy is just like a term of endearment. Got it. Got it. Right? I know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But anyways, I'm uh, I'm uh, drinking the Kool Aid twice. 
I'm uh, go with my guy Mitchy Two Bags. Ooh, Mitchy Two Bags. He didn't do I... so well today, but no one did well today. <laughs> no. Uh, the big reason why, though, is against Minnesota in this last series. He hit that was when he hit two bombs in the same game. So I'm hoping he can kind of recollect some of the magic again. He had a go-ahead single, or he had a scored an RBI in this last series against Boston, going back for the first time post getting traded. So I'm hoping he can kind of pick that up and going back into Minnesota, having a big series against Houston. I think he'll be a part of it. So Mitchy, two bags, Mitch Moreland, you're my guy this week. Central tool. Chris, who you got? Uh, mine is going to be uh, Mark Canna because he needs it bad. Um, he is hitting 192 in his last seven games. He's hitting 218 in his last 15 games. He's hitting 239 for the season. It's brutal. Look, the guy's getting a lot of walks. It's great. His OBP is still 371. You know, that's very good. But the pat, I mean, even lately, he's not walking very well. He's hitting, he's, his OBP is 300 last seven games, 328 the last 30 games, or 15 games. It's, it's bad. He's got to turn around. He's doing great in the outfield. Him and Ramon in the outfield, just covering all that ground is just like, it's a show in itself. So for those of you who just want to watch a defensive show, like just watch those guys. And it's just like, it's just, they just like, the ball looks like it's going to be a, a, an outfield line drive. And there's like, Literally no one in the frame on the broadcast. And then out of nowhere, one of those guys just woof, and just catches it. And you're like, where the fuck did this guy come from? Like, holy shit. Like, I mean, they're, I, so Mark, Mark, they're both fast, but Ramon is insanely fast. And Mark is just insanely good at, at reading the ball off the bat. That's why they all, they get these, like these amazing, amazing jumps, but He's got to pick it up. He's a leadoff hitter, man. So something's got to. Fi- I think that he just needs some rest. He's played every single game this season. I th- let me look at it right. Thirty-eight games. How many games in the season are we? Are we thirty-eight games in? Yeah, I think he's played all thirty-eight games. Like the guy needs some rest. So hopefully Chad can can give him some rest and then he can pick it back up. Yeah, and it's weird. Even though he's not, you've already talked about it. He's not hitting well. He's still getting a base. That's what matters. Um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what. Bowmel's going to do, but over... Julio, he's not getting on base. Well, I I'll, I retract that statement. That's what I'm saying. Like he, <laughs> his OBP the last seven games is 300. He's not oh, getting yeah. on base. Yeah, so not great. Yeah, he only it, has three walks. Pender, you're our only hope. We need you back. Yeah, they're asking. Right. I mean, this is why I picked him to be the MVP of the season. They they ask a lot of him, so he needs some rest. All right, we can we can end the podcast. Um, um, yeah, I'll go ahead. So, thank everybody. Uh, make sure to please follow us on Twitter at the Town Tailgate, and make sure to follow us on our with our new homies around the diamond that uh, Twitter handle and on Instagram as well. Make sure to look it up at Around the Diamond. Also, give us like, subscribe, all that stuff, and all wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, I hope we weren't too whiny today. But subject matter was very close to our heart. And look, here, here's the thing: you guys all hit us up. You guys wanted to know what we wanted, how we felt, so we told you. So, if you don't want us to be whining anymore, don't blow up our phones being like, "What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think?" Just kidding. Do that. We want to hear what you think. That was, that was a bit. Anyway, I will say though, I think next week will be a lot better. Yes, because we're going to a game. 
We're not we're not yes. sure if we're going to be going to the same game yet. We'll see where Otani is lining I us up. I actually looked it up, and it, it looks like he's supposed to be pitching Saturday. Uh, that'll be the fifth day, so we'll we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, and, uh, but yeah, well, I'll be going to the Saturday game. Hopefully, Otani's there. Be, and it's fireworks that night too. It is fireworks that night. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, just come drive over here, take an uh, allergy pill, crash on the couch. Why? What do I need to do that for? It's the first time I've seen Oakland A's baseball in almost two years. I'm going hard that night, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, but we'll go to Golden Road and shit like that and get turfed. No, Jackson's definitely driving. Jackson, if you're listening to this, you're driving. Anyway, we're going to end that podcast because we're going to be – we got to prepare for the Angels game next week. So, last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. Oakland forever. Never forget. Oakland forever. Uh, thank you, Marcus Thompson, for that great piece and expressing that. Okay. Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork thank you so much for listening everybody please tune in next week please subscribe and last but not least as we always say let's go oakland